找到工作嘅。You're listening to the news on RTHK. An international station for an international city. This is Radio 3. Money Talk. Good morning. It's 8.03 in Hong Kong on Monday the 13th of February. A warm welcome to a brand new week of Money Talk on Radio 3. This is Peter Lewis with the day's business and finance headlines. I know I'm competing with the Super Gold Bowl, but here goes. The European Union has vowed to counter China over what it says are massive subsidies to its industries. As the European Commission President, Ursula von der Leyen, complained about Beijing's opaque aid to companies. She said Europe must do more to fight back against massive hidden handouts doled out by China to its industries that threaten the EU's competitiveness. The Biden administration is said to be mulling new rules that would outright ban U.S. investment in some Chinese technology companies and increase scrutiny of others. Days after the U.S. government shot down a Chinese-owned balloon over its airspace, it was alleged to be spying. On Saturday, the U.S. added six Chinese companies to to an export blacklist over what it claims are links to a military-backed global balloon espionage program. Consumer prices in China rose 2.1% in January compared to a year ago versus 1.8% in December, marking the fastest pace in three months. Prices of food accelerated to a three-month peak of 6.2% and those of non-food gained further on the back of the Lunar New Year Festival and the removing of pandemic measures. The producer prices index fell 0.8%, suggesting manufacturers struggle to pass on costs to consumers. A new bank lending in China unexpectedly rose to a record high in January from the previous month. China's banks extended 4.9 trillion yuan, that's 720 billion US dollars in new loans in January, mostly from corporate loans. It was the largest amount of new loans on record following the lifting of pandemic controls and a full week of celebrations of the Lunar New Year holiday, as well as Beijing's efforts to boost growth in the world's second biggest economy. On today's Money Talk, we're joined by Alex Wong, Director of Alex KY Wong Asset Management, and Carlos Casanova, Senior Asia Economist at UBP. With a view from mainland China is Yan Wu, Chairman of Zhengrong Bao. And if you want to get in contact with us, once again, here are the ways you can do that. You can text 6393-5925, email moneytalk at rthk.hk, on Facebook, Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3, and you'll find us on Twitter at Money Talk Radio 3. Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3 US stocks were mixed on Friday as investors digested corporate earnings, economic data and recent commentary from Fed Reserve speakers which indicated interest rates will still have to go higher. The S&P 500 edged higher in Friday's session but still had the worst week in nearly two months. It closed 0.2% firmer at 4,090, but ended the week with losses of 1.1%. The Dow advanced 169 points, or half a percent, to end at 33,869. Despite Friday's gain, it still ended the week down 0.2%, and the Nasdaq Composite slipped 0.6% to close at 11,718. It lost 2.4% on the week. The energy sector was the best performer Friday, and it was also the only one of the S&P 500's 11 sectors that ended the week up. 
It was a tough week for Google parents Alphabet, which lost 165 billion US dollars in market cap after the company's demonstration of its new AI chatbot failed to impress investors. The stock was down 10% over the five sessions, its biggest weekly drop since November. And this week, investors will be eyeing the latest consumer price index reading due on Tuesday to see if inflation has once again cooled. Economists are expecting a 0.4% increase in headline CPI on a monthly basis and a 6.2% gain from the prior year. In Europe, the stock 600 index ended the week 0.6% lower and London's FTSE 100 slipped 0.2% over the five days. Shares in Hong Kong have lost momentum since the Lunar New Year holiday. The Hang Seng Index notched a second losing week, taking the pullback to almost 7% since the benchmark's most recent peak on January the 27th. On Friday, the Hang Seng dropped 434 points, or 2%, to 21,190. And for the week, it was down 2.2%. The Tech Index slumped 4.6%, taking its losses for the week to almost 6%. And on the mainland, the Shanghai Deposits fell a third of a percent to 3,261, and over the five trading days, it slipped 0.1 percent. In the commodities markets, oil marked its strongest week since the beginning of October, after Russia said it will cut output by half a million barrels a day. Brent crude oil gained over 8 percent, and West Texas Intermediate surged 16.5 percent last week. This was also its first positive week in three weeks. This morning, Brent crude oil is trading at $86.16 a barrel. Gold slipped 0.4 percent over the week, but it is up 3 percent so far this year. Um, and sorry, that was copper, and gold was almost unchanged at uh, $1,863 an ounce. The US 10-year Treasury bond yield jumped 22 basis points higher over the week to 3.74%, as market expectations of the terminal rates, that's the highest rate uh, that are expected for US interest rates this year, hit a high for this cycle of 5.18%. And the US dollar ended the week 0.6% higher. The Japanese yen appreciated 1.4% against the dollar after it was reported in Japanese media that the government is preparing to nominate university professor and former Bank of Japan board member Kazuo Ueda to be the next BOJ governor. However, it sharply paired those gains after Japanese press reported Mr Ueda saying that it's important to keep monetary easing for now. It ended up just 0.2% higher, and it's trading this morning at 131.5 against the dollar. The euro is over 1% lower, trading at $1.6 and three quarter cents. Sterling's unchanged at $1.20.5 and $9.46. The Chinese yuan fell 0.4% after inflation came in below estimates, and this morning it's trading at 6.82.5 versus the dollar in offshore markets. And Bitcoin recorded its worst weekly performance since November, tumbling almost 8%. And this morning it's trading at $21,700. Uh, Asia's Pacific stock markets all trading to the downside this morning following Wall Street lower. The S&P 500, uh, the ASX 200 in Australia is off 0.2%. In Japan, stocks there down about two-thirds of a percent. The Cosby in South Korea off 0.6%. And futures markets are pointing to a loss of about 260 points for the Hang Seng at the open this morning. <laughs> So 
Times 8.11. Let's welcome our guests. As always, on a Monday morning, we find over at our QGO studio, Alex Wong, who's director of Alex K.Y. Wong Asset Management. Morning to you, Alex. Hey, morning, Peter. And also with us, Carlos Casanova, who is Senior Asia Economist at UBP. Welcome, Carlos. Good morning, Peter. Let's start with some of that data on the mainland economy. First of all, consumer prices rose 2.1% compared to a year ago versus 1.8% in December. That's the fastest rise in three months, but it was lower than economists had been uh, estimated. Prices of uh, food jumped and those of non-food also gained in further. Food inflation uh, accelerated to a three-month peak of 6.2%. If you look at the core consumer prices, which excludes food and energy, that was up 1% year on year, the most since June. And on a monthly basis, they rose 0.8% in January. That was following a flat reading in December. Um, Alex and Carlos, if you look at this data, um, consumer prices up 2.1% in January, but sort of for not necessarily for the right reasons, is it? The driver was really the higher prices of food rather than services. I suspect that's not the type of inflation uh, that Chinese authorities want to see. Yeah, absolutely. So we um, have not seen much food price inflation, in fact, so far. Uh, most of that has been driven um, by energy prices um, and other base effects. Um, the increase in food prices does, in any case, point to a recovery in consumption. Um, but the fact that it's not being broad-based and shared among services could be an indication that a lot of the upside pressure um, has been due to demand for specific types of food items ahead of the Chinese New Year um, period. Um, that um, is not necessarily bad news. In fact, um, we do expect inflation to increase throughout 2023 as um, com domestic consumption recovers post-reopening. But if we have a very, very sharp increase in CPI, unfortunately, that could have implications on monetary policy policies. And so we do not want to see that hopefully, um, at least not in the first half of the year. Um, so the fact that the um, in increase in service prices was uh, perhaps weaker than expected, it could potentially be good news for the markets. Well, one of the things I've been hearing is that one of the reasons consumers don't want to spend is because um, they're, they're, they're concerned about the property market and property prices. And therefore, what they're doing is they're actually using their savings um, to sort of pay off some of their mortgage, get ahead of mortgages, save on um, interest rates. Are, are you seeing the same thing? And if so, um, that doesn't really fit in, does it, with what the government wants to see, which is higher consumer spending? I think that the question actually is not that uh, because um, you pay off the mortgages, but uh, in the in China, I think people don't expect the rate to increase much. So uh, they just are uh, for conservative purposes. If they if they pay off their mortgages, I think the the more concern would be on the job security rather than the the, the rate increases. Mm. So I think uh, that doesn't seem the case to me actually. Mm. If you if you look at I mean two point one percent okay it's not particularly high is it compared to compared to global standards and what we've been saying um, elsewhere do you think as the economy picks up China will face an inflation problem eventually the like it's seeing in the U S and elsewhere I think first of all China actually has uh, more tools to control inflation because uh, they they actually have more 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 tools to control food prices mm. and then also um, for home prices actually they would remain steady uh, or, or at least uh, they probably may have some downward pressures so I think China is facing a little better situation than other parts of the world in that in, in inflation. Yeah I'd like to interject here actually I think that um, figures have been thrown about quite freely by some of the investment banks in Hong Kong um, if you look at the differential between household savings and loans 
that widened very significantly since the outbreak in Shanghai uh, and all of the negative sentiment and sort of uh, delayed consumption and investment and so on and so forth. So that gap is actually 2.5 uh, trillion US dollars compared to what the Fed estimates was excess savings in the US of 1.3 trillion US dollars. But this is like comparing apples and origin, oranges. So you can't really extrapolate what happened in the US to mm-hmm. China just based on the fact that China is a huge market and the excess savings amount sounds larger than in the US. For starters, China never did consumption vouchers. Um, Unemployment is not uh, structurally low like in the US. In fact, unemployment rates are above pre-COVID levels. And so unemployment and making sure that we experience a return to normal employment in 2023 to support consumption in a sustainable manner, that's going to be a policy priority for 2023. We don't expect a huge rebound in consumption until that happens. Um, And also historically, the marginal propensity to consume of Chinese households, it's much, much lower than that in the US. It's 0.4 versus 0.9. And so although there's a a, a sizable pile of excess savings um, in the system, and we do expect that some of these savings will make it into consumption, um, all of the savings will will not end up in a a consumption scenario. So we don't see overheating. Um, We do see a recovery or a return to normal in terms of consumption, which should boost inflation to at least 2.5, if not 3%, I would say this year. That's a normal inflation rate for China. Um, Mm. But hopefully, given these structural long-term trends and the difference between the two markets, we it should not be a US-style scenario. So you, you, you seem to be more cautious about the consumer than what I have been hearing from some excitable economists here in Hong Kong who are getting um, you know, quite, um, quite sure that we're going to see this massive amount of revenge spending coming. I, I think we'll see revenge travel. I think we will see a consumption-led uh, recovery in growth in 2023. But hold your horses. This is not going to be the US. It's a very different mm-hmm. market. Let me also get your thoughts on the loan growth. We, we had the credit data come out after the market closed on Friday. New bank lending in China unexpectedly rose to a record high. Um, the central bank data shows Chinese banks extended 4.9 trillion yuan. I mean, that's a massive $720 billion in new yuan loans just in January um, alone. It's up 23% year on year. Now, I know you normally see strong loan growth, don't you, in the first quarter of the year because you get local governments you know, with new budgets wanting to spend, bringing forward their spending. But nevertheless, uh, this is a huge amount. I think that probably due to a change in policy stance towards the property developers because in, 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 the, in the past few months, actually, um, property developers are still facing a distress situation. So I think uh, banks are still holding the... The, the, a, a very um, conservative stance toward tech sectors. But I think uh, the property actually probably would uh, try to help the poorer sector. So I think uh, there's a change in attitude towards that sector. And that trigger a huge increase in loan. But it's this, this policy extension that's going on towards the property sector, it's not really doing a lot, is it? Because if you look at the data, prices aren't rebounding, of property, property prices aren't rebounding, um, sales aren't really rebounding. It's not really feeding through that well, is it? Yeah, of course, because of, for potential buyers, they know that they can take a wait and see uh, attitudes because mm. uh, you know the prices are not going to, to, to rise much, so you can always uh, wait uh, for better bargains. So I think that's why um, we are not seeing a uh, rebound in sales and prices. Mm. Carlos, what is noticeable in this data? A big difference um, between companies and individuals. The, the loans to companies seem to be what's driving um, this, but... Uh, if you look at uh, personal borrowing, um, it's still pretty depressed, isn't it? 
Of course, um, whenever there's a top-down policy directive to boost uh, lending, um, I think it's always much easier to do it via the SOEs. Um, there is also a need to extend uh, credit to small and medium enterprises. I think there's a big um, hurdle there with uh, banks not being able to price the loans or not fully understanding how to um, how, how to extend uh, you know credit and underwrite this credit in, in a manner that is uh, not going to get them into trouble. Um, so what we sometimes see as well is many small loans to the same large uh, SOE, and that way they can meet the quota. So we are going to see if the if the direction is to extend uh, loans, we are going to see uh, corporates doing better than households. Mm. I think at some point this year, even if we don't see a rebound in housing prices, if the expectation in the market that the the the, the direction is upwards from here onwards is pretty solid, that should be enough to. Uh, warrant a, a pivot in terms of sentiment, so I think that might be enough to um, to stimulate uh, demand for credit by by households as well. Um, but as you as you've mentioned, Peter, I, I think it's a little bit too early to say that. Mm. Okay, well, let's turn our attention to the markets. Alex shares in Hong Kong, they do seem to have lost momentum, don't they, since the Lunar mm. New Year um, holiday, the Hang Seng down for a second week. So that means we've now pulled back about 7% since that peak on January the 27th. What's your assessment? Oh, I think uh, this is a tech like uh, sell off uh, because uh, uh, if you look at share prices in uh, HSBC or China Telecoms uh, sectors, actually they are not uh, declining that much. So we are seeing uh, a huge pullback in those uh, overheated uh, sectors uh, like uh, Tencent and and actually especially we have uh, a very huge pullback in Meituan. Uh, that I think uh, is uh, triggered by two factors. First of all, we will see substantial share potential increase in 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 made one after the distribution by ten cents mm. and second I think uh, this is due to the uh, renewed um, uh, China and US uh, relationships uh, and and you, you you have also mentioned uh, many um, the, the news that uh, many um, US companies probably may be banned to invest in in that sector so I think that, that is the, due to these two um, dead factors. One of the big themes that's going on globally is uh, chatbots. Uh, traders all around the world mm. are, are chasing chat GPT-related stocks. It's also happening here in, in Hong Kong. Ji, uh, who jumped to an all-time high, it's up 34% this year. Hanweng Tech, Cloudwalk, other chat uh, GPT-related stocks. This Microsoft-backed OpenAI um, and, and it's ChatGPT um, app. It's not available in China, but nevertheless, um, it is attracting a huge amount of interest, isn't it? Firms are trying to rush to integrate this technology um, into their platforms. And we had this uh, last week, um, Baidu announcing it was going to launch its service, which is called in English, um, EarnieBots. Tell me a little bit about this, um, Alex. Is this um, just hype or is there real potential behind AI and, and chatbots, unlike, say, you know, the metaverse, which we've talked about in the past, it was really hard to work out there what real life applications could be in the metaverse. But this does seem to be a real there is there is a real use of this. But what's your thoughts? Yeah, there's a real use of it. But I think it's still too early to, 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 to see the monetization of this uh, business. And this is actually not a new thing. Uh, you can use a chatbox in many local companies right now. But uh, of course, uh, they are more stupid. Than, than, than the new one. <laughs> so I think that this is just uh, um, a hype uh, in the stock market uh, in the short term. Uh, they we, People will need to see uh, how intelligent that could be and also how they could monetize the model. Um, 
right now I think uh, this is uh, a um, overshooting scenario in the stock market because uh, it is too too early to 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 call for it. I think uh, if you want to invest, I think probably the best one would be those uh, semiconductors companies because they probably would be providing the capacity capacities for companies to compete. Because uh, if you look at the, the share price in Alphabet, actually they, they are labeled as uh, the loser in this uh, competition right now as compared to Microsoft. So, and we are seeing a, a huge uh, pullback in, in Alphabet uh, last week. And that, I mean, that seems to be a good example of what happens when you get it wrong, doesn't it? They, they launched their chatbot and then it made some mistakes um, in, in the answers it was giving. And, and um, Alphabet's lost, uh, what is it, about $140 billion in yeah. market cap in a week. Yeah, I think uh, the the risk is that uh, if uh, people continue to use um, the the, the chat GPT, I think that they probably uh, would would feel it very com- uh, compelling uh, when they first use it. But if mm. you use it uh, more than hundred times, probably you could find it witnesses. So probably that they would go off. Carlos, any, any thoughts on chatbots? I mean, it's attracting a huge amount of money, isn't it? Companies like Microsoft are in, investing uh, very heavily in it. I've heard some people say this is um, sort of. The latest thing that's that's equivalent really um, to the internet revolution or the mobile revolution. How do you see it? Yes, I, I tend to agree uh, with with Alex uh, here. I, I think um, perhaps the internet revolution is too big a comparison. But if you com- look at four uh, G, for example, it enabled a protracted multi year rally in um, certain types of um, service oriented companies. So we saw all of the online streaming, all of the e commerce. Uh, all of the food delivery apps are benefiting from access to faster data on mobile phones. Um, f- for me, this will be something similar. There is going to be a new generation of uh, high-growth uh, companies um, that dominate in the AI service uh, field. Um, and this transition, of course, will f- be further facilitated by the deployment of 5G networks um, across the globe. Uh, so it's definitely going to be a sector um, that is going to drive growth in the future. But as Alex mentioned, uh, perhaps investors are getting a little bit ahead of themselves. We don't really know who the beneficiaries are going to be. And so for the time being, for those that uh, want to gain exposure, it's, it's perhaps more interesting to look at upstream things that are a bit more safe um, and, and looking at companies that will provide the infrastructure for the development of these services at this stage um, before we can determine who the real beneficiaries of the of the AI technology are going to be, which we currently don't know. Okay, thank you very much. Have a great week. You heard that Carlos Casanova, who's Senior Asia Economist at UBP. Alex Wong, who's Director of Alex KY Wong Asset Management. <laughs> Times 8.25 on the phone now is Yanam Wu, Chairman of Zhengrong Bao. Morning, Yanam. Morning, Peter. How are you this morning? I'm very well, thank you. Now, look, I know you're very involved in technology on the mainland. You use it a lot in your companies. What do you think about chatbots? Is this something that you're getting excited about, artificial intelligence, and particularly uh, things like ChatGBT and other chatbots? Yes, indeed. I think that's uh, really driving the whole uh, AIGC, uh, you know, the, this uh, growth uh, for uh, for search engine and for retail uh, consumption service. Uh, you are exactly right. We have uh, 20 million users around the globe, and uh, also we have accumulated a lot of data, voice data and picture data as well, uh, you know, uh, besides the text data uh, for these retail customers. So I think uh, the AIGC is really driving the next uh, phase of uh, AI-enabled content uh, uh, 
produce uh, for you know for voice and for picture, even for you know the text. And I even asked ChatGPT, "What do you think of uh, my business surfing?" And they gave me a very good answer for <laughs> our mission values and and uh, and the future respect. I even wrote a poem <laughs> for my company. Really? So, so I think really. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think the poem sounds very well. <laughs> to, uh, so, yeah, so, so I think that's the, really the new, new, new uh, growth uh, for the next uh, AI-enabled era. Yeah. So is this something that's going to really help across lots of sectors? I mean, I'm thinking maybe, you know, it can help the consumer, it can help retailers yeah. in terms of targeting consumers. This, this could be potentially a big thing then. Yeah, I think uh, search engines, of course, is, is is just the beginning of this mm. application. Uh, I think, like you just mentioned, uh, Baidu also announced uh, this early board, uh, you know, to catch up the, the you know Robin Lee, uh, the CEO of Baidu, announced that uh, in their first quarter OKR. Uh, but uh, Ali, you know, didn't, uh, they also have lots of consumption data. JD, you know, Jindong also for retails and supply chains. So I think anywhere related to consumers, and that uh, could help, uh, you know, sharpen the service, uh, you know, uh, the uh, more personalized service in a way to in, based on this uh, intelligent uh, learn, uh, machine learning data for consumption. So I think uh, uh, besides search engine, I think in the future, uh, anywhere related retail consumers, I think they, they will enjoy more data and also more learning about the behavior and uh, com- consumption trend for individuals. But what's the, the attitude of the Chinese government and the regulators to this? Because we're hearing things like, you know, chatbots on Tencent and Alibaba's platforms are being removed. Um, is this something that um, the, the, the Chinese government welcomes or is it something that it's rather cautious about? Yeah, I would say the uh, government is really cautious uh, about the application. Uh, I think one thing is the... Uh, you know, probably the government is concerned where is it going to lead to. Uh, of course, uh, whether all the answers are, you know, uh, in compliance or in, you know, sometimes uh, have to, uh, you know, get out of the government uh, rest- uh, the censorship. So I think that's uh, uh, basically a competition between the uh, the censorship agency and also uh, the the general, you know, machine learning trend. Uh, so, so, so we'll have to see whether they search, uh, find a balance. And mm-hmm. the other factor is the computability. Uh, I think, uh, you know, it costs. Uh, I think uh, for chatbot, uh, according to some industry estimates, uh, you know, for uh, a, re- a regular response for chat GPT, it may cost, uh, you know, about 1.3 uh, to 2 uh, US cents uh, for each response. So that, uh, you know, can, can consume a lot of computing power so far. So I think uh, that has to uh, change uh, for the what you just discussed with the previous guest, the semiconductor uh, production chain and the, also the chip industry. Uh, so that, uh, I think, Chinese uh, uh, industry still lag behind uh, from the U.S. Uh, chip industry in that respect. Okay, yeah, and sadly we've run yeah. out of time. But thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. That's Yan Thank Wu. you. That's Yan Wu, who is chairman of Zhengrong Bao. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. 
Let's take a final look around Asia-Pacific stock markets for this morning. In Australia, the SX200 is off a quarter of a percent. Uh, the Nikkei 225 sliding further down 0.7% now. The Cosby in South Korea off half a percent. Looks like the Hang Seng uh, is going to open about 260 points lower or so later on this morning. Thank you very much for listening. I'll be back tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock as usual. Coming up after the news, back chats with Jim Gould and Mike Rouse. Let me give you an update on the weather forecast for today. Uh, mainly cloudy and foggy, one, one or two rain patches. Sunny intervals during the day. The maximum temperature going to be around 25 degrees. And then the outlook is for winds to strengthen from the north. And temperatures are going to fall appreciably tomorrow. It's going to be rather cool on Wednesday morning. Temperature right now is 21 degrees and it's 97% relative humidity. Times 8.31, here's Barry O'Rourke with the half-hour news. More than 33,000 people are now confirmed to have died in the earthquakes that struck Turkey and Syria. The number keeps rising as bodies are recovered from ruined buildings. Rescuers are still finding more survivors almost a week after the disaster. The United Nations aid chief has said the people of northwest Syria are right to feel they've been abandoned in the aftermath of the earthquakes. Martin Griffiths said this failure must be corrected as fast as possible. Manal Arkabutli lives in the Syrian town of Al-Ataribe in Idlib province. There is a lack of equipment. It is not impossible to remove the rubble, okay? But it takes us too long to remove it. The people die and we cannot reach them in the proper time. Other countries in the outside standing and looking and watching us dying without doing anything. Why are they ignoring our pain? Meanwhile, another UN aid convoy has crossed into rebel-held northwest Syria, but the aid workers say much more is needed. The Monetary Authority Deputy Chief Executive Daryl Chan says the Middle East is interested in expanding into the Hong Kong market as the region looks to increase its investment in Asia. Mr Chan said he'd met representatives of various financial organisations during his trip to Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates last week, along with government officials. We saw considerable interest in how Hong Kong can help with their financing or help them with their investment decisions or strategies in future. They feel increasingly that Asia will be a rather important market in future, be it the source of financing or for investment purposes. So I think it's a good opportunity. Mr Chan said the Monetary Authority is planning another visit to the Middle East in the coming months to hold further talks with central banks in the region. The artificial intelligence chatbot ChatGPT was released two months ago and it's become a worldwide sensation for its ability to make comments and give answers on just about any topic. Kinney Mew, the founder and lead engineer of MindLayer, a company building AI-powered chatbots customer service, says he's concerned that businesses here are too cautious to make the most out of the technology. Most of the clients that we work together, they are very afraid of this kind of generated model. I'm not specific about ChatGPT because ChatGPT is one of the many generated models. The generated model means a model you can generate uh, text okay, by itself. It's not controlled by the, by the programmer, but, but itself can generate uh, free text form, this kind of thing. From my perspective, I think uh, other companies, maybe in the U.S., they're more open to this kind of uh, tools. They, they can take that risk. They can use those kind of generative models to let the model itself to generate the content without considering too much about the restriction. We'll have more news on the hour from RTHK.
Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jim McGould and your guest presenter is Mike Rouse. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Jim. On today's programme, we're looking at the prospects for closer economic ties with the Middle East, following Chief Executive John Lee's trip to Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates last week. Wrapping up his visit on Friday, Mr Lee said development